Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. I am MKT. What a day. You know when you have one of those days where it just all lands, hey? You wake up, you're feeling good. You get all the things done that you want. Today was... As a as a freelancer, you got to have meetings, you know? But some, like 90% of the meetings are going to be a waste. But today was just like... Three great meetings, definitely productive, high-level people. Today just felt like one of those good days. One of those good days. I had, I had a very good day. Until, until I found out about embezzlement where I knew four of the people. I'll come back to that before we get the show going. I'm going to talk Richard Arnold. It's the only news that's worth talking about. He's gone. He's gone. Man United restructure. Ineos guys are coming to take over. I'll tell you why it was inevitable. I knew it. It's the way it goes. I know successful people. We'll get into that. Um, The MKT Show is a podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Like, share, subscribe. Be a friend, tell a friend. Um, Hoping to announce more good news early in the new year. Maybe even late December. Let's see. Um... Working in the background, you know, working, working. 2023 has been good to me. All because people listen to the show and share the show, by the way. It's the only reason, you know. Don't want to be emotional, sappy guy, but it does make a difference that people share the show. It legitimizes the show, you know. It can show that a small independent broadcaster can build an audience. Because that's what people in corporate say. It's all about audience building. Got to build an audience, you know, and convert. <laughs> like they know what they're talking about. They don't. A lot of people are putting. I feel sorry for some people in corporate that have to deal with like digital media. Because she's usually like forty six and just wants to get home and watch Netflix and have cheap wine, you know. She's been in some un- uncomfortable, cheap shoes that she bought at Woolworths. It's one of those flat heels. And then she has to deal with whippersnappers that are talking about TikTok and podcasts. Yeah. Then she has to say words. She has to say words. Such as audience retention. Like they're there. they don't know what they're saying. She's been forced to tick a box in corporate. But that's what they call it. Audience building. Aggregating an audience and then converting them. It's a lot of the language that happens in the background. Anyway, I have at least built an audience independently. I don't know of anybody else, by the way. Pure pure sporting podcast in South Africa. That's building an audience. So, shout out to everyone who listens. Shares it. It makes a difference, by the way, that you listen. 
because it's the beauty of digital. We can track where you start listening, stop listening, and if you don't listen, I can see it. Obviously, I can't see your details. I mean, there is there is that level of checking who you are. Um, but at this stage, I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be, where I need to know where the, that you have three properties. I can find that out, by the way. I can buy research data that comes from your cell phone. That is a real thing, if you don't know. So when you volunteer for these types of platforms, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, there are levels of tracking. And I've worked from Google Analytics across the board. We've we've done stuff where we can see literally someone's spending patterns. Now, I can't see your bank account, but I can see where you shop, what you're buying, how many apartments you own, how many properties you own. We can really delve into it to try and feed you the content or market you what will be applicable to you. If you don't believe me, ask around. And that's what I can do. By the way, I can buy that on my laptop. What can the government do? Bum, bum, bum. Speaking of what can the government do? Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk Richard Arnold today. And uh, we'll, I'll make it a short one. Make it a short one. Yeah. Mondays, I think this weekend will be big international break. There's lots to talk about. But before I even get in the show, this afternoon I found out something electric. Um, <laughs> you know, living in South Africa, it's a movie. I, I mean, we think it's a lot. I would imagine it happens all the time in super sophisticated markets like America, where there's 300 million people. So you're just going to get more douchebags purely on scale of numbers, right? South Africa only, quote unquote, only has 65 million people. I I never quite know what the number is. Somewhere between 60 and 80 million people, which, you know, relatively speaking, is basically a third of America, less. And, but, but when we get... These stories, it's cracking every time. So big embezzlement case in South Africa. But here's the thing. You know, if you went to a boys' school in South Africa, the, the industry, it, it's not that big. There's like 25 maybe where we all know each other and then you're kind of mucking about from there. But in general, because of the way South African sport is set up, you, you're basically competing against these guys there's two major economic hubs in South Africa, Cape Town and Johannesburg, right? So if you go to, if you play sport in Johannesburg, you'll compete against guys who will then be picked off to go around the country, and you'll keep competing against these guys as they go to schools in, on the east coast in Durban, um, in Johannesburg or Cape Town, right? That's where the three areas are for the big boy schools in South Africa, largely speaking. So you'll be competing against these guys from the age of 8 and 9 until you're 18. So for a decade, you'll see the same faces and pretty much the talent kind of comes to the top at about 11, 12. So from, from sort of the 6th, 7th grade, you know everybody. That's in sport, by the way. Right? And these boys' schools are big, but they're not that big. Um, so today I found out that somebody embezzled i'm not going to say what school it was yeah i'm sure you can look it up it's it's in the news 2.7 billion rand from sort of alumni of this school 
right? And here's what happened. Here's where it got electric for me. So I was on a phone call with someone, and it just, that just came up. I didn't know about the story. I was, with, I was on a phone call with a guy who went to the school, and I was like, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, this guy just got caught for embezzling 2.7 billion rand. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what are you talking about? Anywho, I know what school he went to, blah, blah, blah. So I start messaging guys from the school. One of the guys, who's a very good friend of mine, one of the best sportsmen I've ever seen, turns out his stepfather was working for this head honcho, for this company, right? And he said to me, and I said it as a joke, because I said, essentially, hey, is this how you started your business? Because the the guy who's my friend is quite successful. Um, He's opened up a few franchises of what he does for a living. And, and they really, you know, they're proper. And they've got a London one. Uh, there's one in LA. So he's done quite well as an entrepreneur. And I said as a joke, is this how you fund your business? And he said, in the message, he says to me, no, my stepdad worked for that guy. My mom just left him. Like, after finding out. And, and this case, by the way, is like I'm talking a couple of weeks ago. It was in the last month and a bit. Or two months. I had no idea it happened. So this guy's mum is leaving. So like his family life's falling apart in terms of his nucleus family because the father was involved with this dude. So I haven't really got the information, but I want to be like, brute, did like was your buddy involved and did he know what was going on? You know, because when you embezzle 2.7 billion rand, if you're not in South Africa, that is $200 million. <laughs> Two billion. Rand. I mean, hysterical. It's about $200 million. Give or take. It's actually about $100 million. Sorry. It's 20. I forget that my... We can't keep the lights on in this country, so it's 20, actually. So it's about... It's about 200 million... It's about 100 million euros. Sorry. About 100 million euros. So it's about 100 million US dollars which is hysterical. And you can't do you can't do that level of skullduggery on your own, right? But this dude, and then he started he sent me some names. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" So it turns out I know four of the people who are involved in what is going to be another massive embezzlement case in South Africa. I know the fathers, the actual people who did the embezzlement. Well, there's one main guy um <laughs> and what's funny about the story is one of the fields, one of the cricket fields. In fact, the main cricket field at the school is named after the main embezzling guy who did all of it. And he's been doing it since 2009. The case dates back to 2009. 2009. So what are you talking about? So I was talking to someone who, who's working in the banking world and we were exp- exchanging because I believe this, right? We, we were exchanging messages, but I believe this. It's never too soon. As soon as the thing's happened, it's never too soon. So we start getting into it. And I said to him, look, he said, look, crime doesn't pay. I said, good message. I tend to agree with you. So far in my life, I agree with you. Crime doesn't pay. Crime. Don't do crime. Like something you're making t-shirts. Don't do crime. But I said to him immediately, when somebody's thinking about going to embezzle, 2.7 billion dollars or billion rand 
Now look, you can't embezzle that much. As I told you, this started in 2009. So we're talking about 14 years or so, give or take, roughly carry the three. So let's say 14 years of embezzlement. But on the day where the guy woke up and he said, you know what I'm going to go do today? I'm going to go embezzle money. I'm going to go racketeer. You know, I'm going to go act the fool, as the youth say. So, so that person is thinking to themselves, oh, I've got no choice. I have to go and embezzle today. Of the eight people you've got as your core members, is somebody not going, no, bro, bro, you don't have to embezzle. Like, I know you're saying you've got to embezzle, but you don't have to. I, I can hear you saying, oh, today is my day to embezzle. Did one person not go, bro, you don't have to embezzle. Crime doesn't pay. Just take your 7.5% over 30 years, buy yourself a nice little holiday home, and retire with Susie in bloody London or whatever. Or front truck, you know what I mean? You don't have to embezzle. No, bro, I've got to go embezzle today. You don't have to. No, you don't. You do not have to embezzle. Well, this I did have to embezzle. 2.7 billion rand. It's hysterical. What's hysterical is that I know, I actually know seven people involved, directly and indirectly. But I know the four fathers, and I don't mean the fathers before, like Abraham Lincoln in America, where they go, it's the American forefathers. I mean the number four, and then people that identify as people who have put a bun in the oven, in a woman, and then your dad. That's what I mean. Sorry, it's a bit of a crass way to explain it, but that's what a father is, right? Biologically speaking. Anyway, I know of, well, three, three plus one, because the one's a stepdad. It's not, it's not his real dad. As stepkids will tell you, you know my dad. Oh, bro, you shouldn't embezzle. Oh, you know my dad. I don't, I don't know why I'm bringing the stepfather thing in. Anyway, so I know three fathers and a stepfather who are directly involved and work in, worked in this embezzlement case. It's crazy. This is what's happening in South Africa. But this is what happens. If you're going to go to these, if you're going to roll in these circles, people are going to embezzle. You, uh, bro, you don't have to. Don't do crime. Crime doesn't pay. So I thought I'd start off with that. It's, a, it's an incredible story. You can go look it up. If you type 2.7 billion rand boy school, you'll find it. 2.7 billion. All right. thought I'd tell you that story. Um, I wasn't embarrassed when he said that. I was like, oh, it's a rough one, bro. And then he, yeah, I mean, he stopped replying when I went, what happened? What's going on? Was he involved? Did he know? He, after I said, did he know? I guess, you know, he's probably, the guy's probably reeling off his mom having to move out of her husband's house because he's an embezzler. Or, or, or an associate embezzler, you know what I mean? I don't want to start accusing the guy. What if he didn't know? I don't know, because my mate stopped replying at, did he know? I, I, I did ask a lot of other questions immediately, quite aggressively, long WhatsApp. He answered some of them, didn't answer, did he know? Don't embezzle Oaks. Tears families apart. Oaks' mom is moving on. And by the way, I'm talking about something that's happening right now. He's trying to, like, stay. She's moving out so yeah embezzlement that's the thing about embezzlement it doesn't just tear economies apart tears families apart tears families apart don't embezzle don't do crime all right the mkt show let's get into the show 
Thought I'd share that with you. Real story, by the way. Incredible. Incredible. You just in India into the final. Obviously doctored the pitch as they do. Uh, incredible. Uh, an email has been leaked, whether real or not, about the dissatisfaction of a couple of members um, of the ICC at large saying they are not happy and have never heard of a pitch being tweaked by the team's management and the groundsman being put under pressure by the team's management. They, they say they've never heard this. Um, I'm like, what are you talking about? India have been doing this for 30 years. More, more. They've been doing it forever. So the problem is now they got all the money and the power. You can't do anything. No matter what, India can do whatever they want in cricket. Right, they just have too much power and leverage. Scale of economy. Hey, it's the bottom line. It's capitalism. You know what I mean? It's capitalism, baby. But I heard something disgusting today. Obviously, Virat Kohli now has the most half centuries, but you can't play on those flat wickets and tell me he's better than Sachin Tendulkar. Come on, it. You know, recency bias will do this. People forget Sachin Tendulkar. Played when pitches were uncovered. And he started at the age of 16. Do you understand what type of prodigy in India you have to be just to be good at cricket? To be in the national cricket team at 16 and be the biggest name from 18 until 40 years old is hilarious. Like this is where stats are misleading. Because everything's become so flat now. Basically, ODIs are playing on T20 pitches. The bowlers have no chance. Like, going at 7.5 and, and over now is just a part of the deal. Bowlers have... I mean, on Indian wickets, bowlers have never had a chance. But now it's gone insane. Like, India made 397 against a team that lost basically on the last ball of the World Cup last time. Like, New Zealand are a formidable ODI team. India made 397. That's the world we're living in. Like five, like eight and over is the regulation now. There, there is no bat and ball competition. There just isn't. There's no... You, you can't. And, and I'm, I don't want to be old fuddy-duddy guy. Virat Kohli is clearly a special talent. He wouldn't be in my top five, but that's for a different conversation for another time. He wouldn't be in my top five in any format. Maybe T20, because the other guys didn't really play T20. Whatever, I don't really care about T20 cricket. Neither do I care about ODI, to be honest. I only care about Test cricket. But but Sachin Tendulkar played when Curtly Ambrose, Alan Donald, Craig Matthews, Farney de Villiers, Jason Gillespie, Glenn McGrath, Javagal Srinath, Chaminda Vass. When pitches were jagging, by the way, if you're an old head like me, you remember the commentators, you say, oh, that's jagging off a length. It's jagging off the seam. Pitches were doing it back. Like in the 90s, are you kidding me? Go and watch 1992 highlights. See what the ball's doing off the pitch. And it doesn't matter where, by the way. Even in India. Javed, me and dad didn't happen by mistake. Those pitches were doing it. The new ball in India in the 90s was doing it. The new ball in India from 2008... Doesn't matter. And the grounds are so small in India. Of course Virat Kohli is going to make all these runs. And they're playing the most useless people. 
I mean, the West Indies, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, that's who they're playing, like 40% of the time. Uh, totally against Australia, South Africa, England, not quite as good. You might say the same for Sachin, different conversation, but he's not Sachin. Come on. 16 till 40. Virat, Virat Kohli, listen, is a megastar. And the ability to cope with the pressure in the social media era. I don't, want, I don't have to reduce Virat Kohli for it to be clear that Sasha's the guy. But come on now. And if you're a hardcore cricket fan, you've got to understand that pitches were uncovered for the first... 10 years, or let's say first five years of Sachin Tendulkar's career, still doing it. Like, bring it on. As a teenager, come on, guys. Come on. And, and remember back then, you were going at, what, four and a half and over in one-day cricket? And people are going, oh, that's massive. The bats now are ridiculous. And listen, everybody has the same advantages, so Virat is exceptional in his era. He's not Tendulkar, though. He's not. And I'm not fighting for my era. Like, there, there's, I think there's new players. I think Gakhiso Rabat is the best bowler South Africa's ever produced. I don't have to stick to Alan Donald or Sean Pollock. I think Dale Stain, Gakhiso Rabat, they're, they're fighting it out, right? They're the best bowlers we've ever had. So I, I like new players. I like the athletes. I like the modern guys. But Tendulkar, I heard that and I wanted to vomit in my mouth. I wanted to vomit in my mouth when they dared to compare Virat Kohli to Sachin Tendulkar. And, and by the way, I'm not huge on India because of the way that they've conducted themselves and killed Test cricket. Right? So I'm, I'm not big on the BCCI. Uh, you know, I, I like the country India. I like Indian people. Love the food. Ah, the BCCI, uh, Surav, I, I don't like what you guys did there. And by Surav, I'm not just... Labeling Indian people has been called Surav. I mean, I literally mean the great Surav Ganguly, who was the head of the BCCI when him and Dave Richardson ruined Test cricket forevermore. All right, love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires on the socials. Your thoughts: Virat Kohli or Sachin Tendulkar? Would love to hear your thoughts and why. Who is better and why? So you may or may not have heard. I went to France, Paris, Paris in particular. Went to a couple of other places, but anyway, for this particular topic, Paris is only uh, the only important um, locale. A team called the Springboks won the William Webb Ellis for the fourth time, considering they only started in '95. I was at that final as well, by the way. No big deal. Shout out Madiba, doing it for the causes. And then doing it, as Rassi would say, for South Africa. Doing it for South Africa. That's But Diva put his ego aside. As Rassi and Sia always say, put your ego aside. It's a, it's, this is bigger than you. It's about South Africa. Shout out Madiba. Playing a team called uh, New Zealand. The New Zealand International Men's Rugby Team. I never thought I'd have to address them whinging. By the way, the Richie Moanga sets up an incredible try. But there's a forward pass there. That doesn't get given. Anyway, I'm not going to start getting into it. Because as the great Jose Mourinho said, only losers have to explain. The amount of whinging the All Blacks are doing is getting annoying. Because you're a great establishment. I mean, obviously not as great as the, as the Springboks. Because 
there's a big difference between four William Webb Ellis's and three. It's, it's a massive difference. I, I know it sounds like, oh, it's only one. Well, <laughs> it's four years, you know. It's a massive difference. Three and four are not the same number. Obviously, the Springboks are better. So, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're a good second best. Nothing wrong with being second best, eh? Nothing wrong with that. You're the second best rugby nation of all time. Oh, take that. Plus, you can boast about your win percentage and your culture and your heritage. What you cannot say is that we've got a four William Webb Ellisons. Because that's the spring box. The amount of whinging I'm hearing, though, for from a bunch of people who constantly go on and on pontificating about how the All Blacks are a symbol of rugby values. Here's the thing about sport. When you lose on the field, leave it on the field. I mean, unless there's something egregious. And by the way, it's not egregious what they're complaining about. Um, Aaron Smith's try is not a try. Right? But anywho, whatever. They're, they're saying they looked at too many frames back in terms of the, the rules. But it's a knock on it. It's a knock on at the line. What are we doing? Severe. Catch the ball. Anywho, doesn't matter. What I don't enjoy about the All Blacks is what they're not addressing is that, by the way, Mwanga has missed a sitter. And so, for longer range kickers, Pollard's kicked three more difficult kicks throughout um, France, England, and including the final. He, he's kicked three more difficult kicks than what Jordy Barrett missed. So you've left five points on the field conversion and penalty, why is nobody from New Zealand addressing that? Now, I want to be clear. I did not think Sam Kane was a red card. But why aren't you saying your captain got a red card? Like, it seems like it's just everyone else. And there's nothing worse in life. Don't you, don't you hate those people? And you may have them. You may, and by the way, if you don't have these people in your life, maybe you're this person, so you need to go look in the mirror. Where it's always someone else. Like, so if he or she is always heartbroken, it's always the guys. It's always the girls. There's just no good women left. There's no good men left. Like, no, that's nonsense. There's lots of great people left. You need to get your act together. For the All Blacks to not exercise what we call a locus of control and be able to look at themselves honestly and go, eh, we left five points out there. Guess what? Kick one of those kicks, you win the World Cup. You, lost, you literally lost by one point. Why aren't they acknowledging that they missed kicks? So, okay, fine. The, the try didn't get given. Let's say it was egregious, although Artie Seva has clearly knocked it on at the line out. <laughs> Even though it wasn't within the purview of um, the referee's assistant to go back that far. Anyway, whatever. So, so what they're saying is, oh, we want to cheat to win it. Whatever. The, the try they got given, there is a forward pass there, but whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll look past it. What about the five points that you missed where it is a skill where you can control it, a locus of control, and at the highest level, what do sportsmen and women always say? Control the control levels. Take the ref out of it. You know how you take the ref out of it. Be Andre Pollard, not miss a kick, and then, well, only the losers have to explain. Shout out Jose Mourinho. But isn't it beneath the All Blacks? Isn't it beneath the All Blacks? Like, guys, guys, come on. 
sounding like England now, sounding like France, sounding like Ireland. As modern-day poet Figile Mbalula said, bunch of losers. That's what you sound like. I'm not saying you have to be okay with losing, guys. That's not what I'm saying. It should burn that you lost. But you got a red card and you left five points on the field. What about that? Are we gonna why aren't the all blacks being grown up enough to talk about that? It's it's like imagine imagine I've got a girlfriend. I cheat on her. And then my explanation is Yeah, but two months ago you were mean to me and also I just don't like the way you run your finances. Like what are we talking about now? Because now I'm not even talking about the decision I've made to cheat on my girlfriend. Now it's about all these superfluous matters now. Yeah, plus your mom's not very nice to me. It it was affecting my confidence. Imagine that was my excuse for cheating on my girlfriend. That's what the all black sound like. It's like, no, guys. <laughs> when you cheat on your girlfriend, you made a, a conscious decision. Now she may be a terrible person. I don't know this hypothetical girlfriend. But you get the point. You get the point. You get the point. You've got to take some control in life. Because I'll tell you something. Hey? I hate nothing more. And hate is a strong word. But I'm using it. I hate people. And I will not have them in my life. Where life is happening to them all the time. Just like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm so unlucky. The world is so, like, oh my God. So, are the All Blacks telling me the Springboks have now conspired to go and, what, change the, the, the refereeing assistant rules in the game? So, are, they che- are they saying the Springboks cheated? Because that, that's kind of, it's going there now. Which is interesting. Stop whinging. Your thoughts? All Blacks, right to whinge? Was it um, was the referee's assistant wrong to go back that far beyond their mandate? Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires on social media. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. If you've got a sec, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a comment. Leave a comment. Have you embezzled money before? Leave a comment. Do you know anybody who's embezzled money before? Leave a comment. Have you ever been in a relationship who with somebody's mother or father who embezzled money before? Leave a comment because I've got some questions for people I know over the next six to eight weeks. I will be I will be texting them directly to go, Boo. We need to get together. I need to know everything you know. What happened? This is intriguing. Leave a comment. Hey, your thoughts on embezzlement? You know, I'm just looking at it from one side. Let's be honest. Every coin has two sides, right? Every story has three sides. Your version, my version, and in between is the truth. Is embezzlement bad? Is it really that bad? Let me know. In my opinion, embezzlement's terrible. But I'm just looking at the world through my eyes as a humble human servant to the human race. You know? I'm just a humble guy who wears Italian tailored suits. What do I know? I come from a working class family. I don't know very much. I've seen so so little of this world. Perhaps on perhaps there's another perhaps there's another side to embezzlement that I haven't considered because I don't have a very sophisticated view of the Western world. These are all possibilities. I'm open to these things. 
leave it in the comments wherever you get your podcast. All right. I want to talk about uh, Man United's sitch. Richard Arnold has been, it's the mutual agreement thing, but he's been fired. Um, Manchester United announced that Richard Arnold will leave the club and the interim will be Patrick Stewart, not Captain Picard. By the way, not Captain Picard. Patrick Stewart will be the interim until uh, the end of 2023 going into 2024. So he'll be the interim, which is an interesting way to say an interim CEO. So that is the end for Richard Arnold at Manchester United. Jim, Gra- Jim Ratcliffe will own 25% of Manchester United and will run all football operations. Not commercial. Listen, the, the Glazers have done an incredible job on the commercial side, whether you like them or not. Manchester United is a, is a commercial juggernaut. I'm hearing a lot of people that are shocked. I'm reading articles. I'm, I mean, I like to read the comments because I, I like to hear from fans more than I do from douchebag journalists. Like, journalists aren't... A lot of them are getting paid by clubs or associations anyway. So you, you'd never... That's why I like The Athletic. It's independent. It's owned by somebody. So relatively speaking, although now those guys go to the clubs and are they want the position of being the inside man at clubs. So it's very difficult to to read some of these journalists. That's why I like the YouTube stuff. The fan channels are my favorite. I've got three or four fan channels. There isn't a Chelsea fan channel. So I think United Stand do the best job. I, I really, really like those guys. They're, they're independent. And that's really, really important because he who pays the piper plays the tune. But anybody who's shocked at this, either you haven't been around success or you don't understand success, or you've never, you've never encountered people that want to be successful in life. Because when Todd Bowley came, he fired Chelsea's greatest goalkeeper of all time, and Bruce Buck, who was the chairman for 18 years. Why would he do that? Tell you something about the big boys. They will not fail because of you. One of the things that makes people successful, I used a term earlier, locus of control. If successful people are going to fail, right, they're going to go down on their ship with their captain right, and their engineer who built the ship. They would far rather fail right, because of themselves rather than fail because they, wouldn't, they weren't willing to tell you to do this and move. So let's clear house because, look, if we're going to do this thing, we might as well do it our own way. Big boys will not fail with your people. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. So you ever seen people who, I'll give you an example, are girls or guys who are very confident in asking men or women on a date. They don't ask you to go ask her. Like, If they want that 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 cracker, they're going to go themselves because they, they don't trust you to deliver, to deliver the sweet nothings. He or she is going to go get what they want. And, and if they get rejected, cool, at least I wasn't in control of all the factors and I left nothing on the table. That's what successful people do. There's an efficacy, a self-efficacy, a self-worth with these people which makes them achieve these great things. Because successful people don't like don't let life happen to them. 
They will impose their will. I'm sure you've heard this term before. They will impose their will. Jim Ratcliffe didn't make Ineos, which reportedly is worth about 80 billion pounds when all is said and done across the board. 80 billion pounds. He didn't build Ineos by coming in and asking the tea lady what her opinion is on investments. It's not, it's not how this, this cookie crumbles. Jim is being aggressive. You should love this as Man United fans. Because one of the things that's been lacking at Manchester United is confrontation. It's where Fergie was the best. Fergie's confronting David Beckham out the hairstyle and throwing a boot at him on the day he gets the haircut. When Roy Keane gets out of hand, the, great, the greatest, arguably, I'd say the second greatest player to ever play in the Premier League, Roy Keane, he's in his, he's in his face. You're out of here now. Yopstam starts talking about contracts and not being paid enough and being the best player in the world. Get out now. Ruud van Nistelrooy, at the peak of his powers, started to think he was better than Man United. Fergie's getting in his face early. Confrontation is necessary for progress. And it depends how far you want to go. Now, I'm talking in your personal life. I'm talking in business, in whatever you want. If you are not willing to deal with confrontation early, because if you don't, it escalates, right? Look where Man United are after 10 years of nicey-nicey Richard Arnold working with the Glazers. Fergie was sensational at it. Because you know what aggression does. That's why I like aggressive people. I'm not talking about clowns who are doing silly stuff. I just like aggressive personalities. I like people who are in your face. I like energy. I'm a high-energy person. I like energy. Here's why I like it. I recently encountered a situation where this particular person asked me, "Does your the way you address things, does it put you in a lot of interesting situations? I said, yes. Because you know why I like being aggressive? Is let's see if it's going to work or not as soon as possible. Because I have too much of an ego to waste my time. So I want to be aggressive to push you for a result as soon as possible to see exactly what you are. And maybe I'm not for you. Excellent. But I, I, I'm going to always push the envelope. These big boys are going to push the envelope. Jim's being aggressive. Ineos are being aggressive. They're saying, listen, guys, it hasn't worked for a decade. And even then, at Chelsea, it did work with Bruce Buck for two decades. Bully said, it ain't, it, hey, come on, Chief. Murta will be next. Eric Ten Hag will not survive the season, I'm afraid. It just ain't going to happen. You've seen now what this man is. My father always used to say, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Eric Ten Hag, <laughs> you, you're going to have to get out of here because you're Richard Arnold's guy. I'm not failing. I'm not putting £1.2 billion pounds into 25% of Manchester United for you to run a clown show. I don't think Eric Ten Hag survives the season. The ego means... Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, Jim Radcliffe will change it all. He, I mean, he's going to need a magic wand. He's going to need a Harry Potter magic wand, but he's going to change it all purely because of ego. And you need ego, by the way. To be successful in life, you need a level of ego. You do. You need ego. 
The only person in Man United who's safe is Marcus Rashford. Everybody else, good bet. The only person who's safe is Marcus Rashford. Folks, let me tell you something about successful people. They're not afraid to make decisions. Somebody successful once told me this. He said to me, you don't always have to make the right decision. But when you make the the decision, you have to make it right. Brian Robertson, very, very successful guy. Somebody who I look up to as as an elder. I don't really like the the word mentor, but I always seek advice from the great Brian Robertson. Not a big time guy. In the, he doesn't live publicly, but trust me, he's he's doing it in terms of advising and and consulting for the big boys, certainly in South Africa. He said to me, look, MK, you don't always have to make the right decision. But when you make the decision, you have to make that decision right. When you make a decision, you've got to, you've got to put it all in, pour it all on to make sure that that decision goes the way you want it to go. Don't be obsessed with making the right decision. Make a decision. I love what Ratcliffe's doing. As a non-Man United fan, I'm a little bit scared because this is where you should go. Rip it all up. Like what, what more do you need to see after 16 years? Get rid of this guy. As Man United fans, you should be ecstatic. You should be absolutely ecstatic that at a long last, somebody's coming along and saying, this is nonsense. It's complete nut and nonsense. It's been a shambles for a decade. Don't tell me about the six years before that. You had Alex Ferguson. Uh, honestly, honestly, my cousin just had a baby. My little nephew, with Fergie, with the way he was rolling, could have won the Premier League titles. My little nephew who cannot, I, I don't even know, can baby see? Can't walk. Well, what are babies actually doing? Why are they useful? Can't even walk. Can't talk. Not contributing to the economy. But she, oh, sorry, my little niece, she could have won trophies with Fergie. So don't, get, don't give me that. The last decade has been a disaster, my man. <laughs> Ratcliffe says, not on my watch, sir. I built Ineos. It's not a kindergarten. I'd love to know what Man United fans think. I think it's a terrific, terrific way to operate. And I believe in it in my personal life. Listen, you've got to take control. There is only two options in life, folks. You have to impose yourself on your environment, or the environment will impose itself on you. Both are hard work. Successful people say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I will be confrontational early, right? And lay the land so that <laughs> I'm in charge here. From pillar to post, I will know what's going on. That's what the Ineos guys are saying. Murta's next. They're going to clean that entire executive staff. They're talking about bringing cycling guys in now. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to be a whole different look and feel in there. Man United, at the very least, I think what's important in PR and marketing, we call it perception management. I think that's a vital exercise for Manchester United moving forward. The commercial side's great. The operational side's been a dog show. Because what you've started to do as Man United is you've started to scare off the top football talent. 
You can't have Marcus Rashford as your marquee player if you want to tell me you want to compete with where Chelsea are going, with Man City, with Liverpool, with Newcastle, where they're going. You, you just can't have... Marcus Rashford cannot be the bar. Bruno Fernandes, come on, guys. You, you, you can't have Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva and, and see them and Jack Grealish and Jeremy Doku. You can't be watching that across the road and tell me you've got Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes as your pinup guy. Come on, guys. Bruno Fernandes can't even make the Portugal team, guys. Come on now. They they rocking with Rodri, guys. You, you you can't show me Marcus Rashford. And I think that's a massive, massive reason why Man United has failed to attract the top talent. Because players are going, mm, I can make money anywhere. And these young kids now don't care so much more about, oh, it's Manchester United. Erling Braut Haaland. You're you, you going to tell me about Hoyland. you got Erling Braut Haaland, my man. you got Alvarez. Phil Foden. Come on. It's silly. A kanji. You see what's going on at City there. Ruben Diaz. you you bringing Maguire and Lindelof. Varane, who can't even get a tailored suit and has hamstring made of polystyrene. Come on. Casemiro's over the hill. Man United fans won't admit it. They're going to go, he was unbelievable last season. Do me a favor. They got Rodri, guys. They do. I'm, I'm telling you what Man City, that's the gold standard. Liverpool are rocking Sobozlai, Diaz, Jota. You see where it's at. You see where they're going. You, you I mean... I mean, this version of Virgil van Dijk is 50% of what he was two years ago. Not a single Man United defender. It would be better to play Virgil van Dijk on his own than both any option that Man United have. This is Manchester United. Come on. But that's because the perception management is finally getting to Manchester United. And look at the guys you're getting. You know what separates Man City guys? They get high character guys. You don't hear any of the nonsense. Man United, between Anthony and Sancho, and what are we doing? And Maguire getting arrested in Greece. Don't forget about that. That case is still going. The, the way you win in any high-level business, but sport in particular... Your best players have to be your highest character guys. It, it just is that way. Unless they are like Roy Keane, Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo level of talent. They've got to be your highest character guys. And go, listen, do an exercise uh, this week. Go and look at all the eras that won. Go and look at the Man United dynasties. Go and look at the Chelsea dynasties. And look at the Man City dynasties. The core of the team is high character guys. That Chelsea team had nine international captains. You've got, listen, character matters. You're still dealing with human beings. Man United cannot be built. You cannot build around Jaden Sancho as your, as your marquee guy. You can't build around Anthony like you've seen now. That's not going to work. Maguire, you can't build around that. He's beating up police and bribing them. That matters. That, that stuff matters. Character matters. Because you know what the thing is about rich young men? The first thing, guys, I, I don't want to be this guy. I played football 
I was making a little bit of money. Let me tell you what I thought. Why should I listen to you? When you pay young men, you affirm their behavior. And when you don't have Roy Keane to get a hold of Ryan Giggs, who was always a bloody borderline terrorist to society, but Roy Keane puts him in line. David Beckham puts him in line. Rude Vinistoy puts him in line. Right? Patrice Everett puts him in line. All of them, they, they knew. They knew what time it was with number 16. Fernandinho puts them in line. Vincent Company puts them in line. Ruben Diaz now is doing it for Man City. You see it. He's, <laughs> there's no nonsense there. But guys, please, let's not muck about you. We're here to win trophies. We're here to win trebles. Jack Grealish can go do what he... Jack, you go drink as much as you want in Birmingham. Sleep with whoever you want. Go do your Gucci thing. Between these white lines, you know what time it is. Who's listening to Harry Maguire? Who's listening to Bruno Fernandes? Why would Jaden Sancho listen to Bruno Fernandes? What has Bruno Fernandes done in the world of football that Jaden Sancho hasn't in Germany? He's a better player. He's a bigger profile. He earns more money. Vibes. Vibes isn't enough, guys. Not at that level. Not with those egos. You've got to be the man there. There's a reason why Roy Keane worked. There's a reason why when Nemanja Vidic put his foot down, even Rio Ferdinand realized, Patrice Evra realized, these guys knew what time. Cristiano Ronaldo knew that if number 15's talking at the back there, what time it is. I've got to put, as Rassi says, put your ego aside. Tevez knew. Rooney knew. They knew. Michael Carrick knew, guys. When Vidic talks, we listen. We shut it down. This thing is about winning trophies. And you need that. You need somebody to run these dressing rooms. These egos are massive. Man United don't have that. Perception management. I love what Ineos are going to do. They're going to change the look and feel and say, we are elite again. Come and join us. And elite players will start looking this way. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. Your thoughts on United. Should they clean house? Should they transition slowly? Are you afraid you might be like Chelsea and it won't work? Finally, would you keep Eric Ten Hag? Love to hear your thoughts. MKT at the MKT show. My parting messages don't do crime. Don't embezzle. For crying in a bucket. Don't embezzle. End up having people's wives leaving them. Now people are going to have affairs with 25 year olds probably. You know, People do funny things on their rebound. Pray for South Africa or whatever people say. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a praying guy. I imagine someone will, will get it there. Hope you're having the time of your life. Whenever you're listening to this, um, I want to say again, because something I'm not good at is showing gratitude. I've realized this. I was thinking about it um, on my holiday in France. I'm not good at showing gratitude, you know. I'm not good at saying thank you. So I want to thank everybody who listens um, because it's created a world where I get to do this for a living now. Um, not necessarily the MKT show itself, but I, I do this because I love it. But because of the MKT show and you people who listen. So two things. Maybe you are just so ridiculously screwed up. I don't know why anybody would be listening to me, but whatever. I don't want to overthink it. I'm not really a smart guy. I'll just, I'll take it. Whatever it is. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to you for listening. You're, you're freaking awesome for taking your time. Taking an hour twice a week. 
to listen to me give my thoughts on football into a microphone. It's always been a dream of mine to do this for a living after I stopped playing football. Well, it wasn't really a dream then. My dream then was to see how much booze I could guzzle around the world. I achieved that. And some. People are saying I'm the I'm the Ronaldinho of that world. Some people say, no, Ronaldinho did that, so that's not a good it's not good as an analogy. People are saying I'm the I'm the Leo Messi of the the guzzling booze around the world when I when I was doing it. But then around thirty nah twenty eight which is around when I wrapped up my degree, but this was always the dream, you know, talk about sport on a microphone. And in order for that to happen, you've got to have people who are, who find you interesting and listen, because that's, it's just, it's the business I'm in, you know, do people find you interesting? Like, I'm not obsessed with being right. And you'll often hear, um, I don't do stats too much because this is how fans talk. No football fan is bringing out their app and worrying about distance covered. Like, that's a different audience. So I appreciate everyone who listens to this. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking the time to listen and contribute and rate. And, you know, it's done incredible things for for my life. And I just want to express some gratitude. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. And... It's something which I will try and work on for the rest of my life. I'll have to because it's not in my natural character. As a, I'm a bit of a solo person. So I never really show gratitude because I'm just like, oh, get on with it. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of like my father's like this. Like, just get on with it. Nobody. So I, <laughs> I don't expect people to thank me when I do stuff. I, I find it very weird when people are grateful. And, and some people have been really, really grateful to me. And I'm like, oh, well. No, I'm supposed to do that as opposed to like, oh, no, no, you should acknowledge that this person is grateful. So I'm I, I'm also not good at showing gratitude. And listen, I'm making no promises. I'm <laughs> I'm aware of it. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to work on it because those are two different things. And a, a, a friend of mine in Cape Town said a brilliant line. Or Rob Tweddle said to me, <laughs> you know, people always say, oh, you know, I'm always late. You know what I'm like. And he said to me, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't remember what I said. And he said, self-awareness is not an excuse, which I thought was a beautiful, beautiful line. So ladies and gentlemen, self-awareness is not an excuse. Namaste, as they say, to show gratitude in a part of the world I'm hoping to be in on Saturday. Namaste to all of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you more than you could ever imagine for it, um, for the life you've given me. Long may it go on. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the MKT Show. My name is MKT. And for now, I am the hell out of here.